You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. And welcome to another episode of the Film Feast Podcast. I am your host, Matt Bledsoe, and this is Volume 3 of Unscottable, our ongoing series on the films of director Tony Scott. On this episode, I'll be joined by the host of the Cult Movies Podcast, Anthony King, to talk about the 1987 smash hit Beverly Hills Cop 2. Now, normally in these intros, before we get in the actual episode, I give you a little backstory on the movie, where Tony Scott's at in his career, things like that. This may be the shortest one I've ever done because there is just not a lot of information out there about the making of Beverly Hills Cop 2 from what me and Anthony both could find. We both did research for this. Um, I have a whole book on Tony Scott. It's a very short chapter on Beverly Hills Cop 2. Um, Anthony does great research. He said he didn't come up with much. Um, the There's no actual single Blu-ray for Beverly Hills Cop 2. There's only a DVD that barely has anything on it. So weirdly enough... For this big, big movie, very little information is available, and uh, so it's kind of strange. It's kind of a weird one, and Tony Scott really had nothing happen between this and Top Gun because he was plucked right at the end of finishing up the uh, editing work and all that stuff on Top Gun to do Beverly Hills Cop 2, so he really had no breathing room in between doing Top Gun and Beverly Hills Cop 2. Uh, Simpson and Bruckheimer just said, hey, we want you for Beverly Hills Cop 2, and they just brought him on, and so he just went right from one huge hit to another huge hit uh, and took over the reins of this franchise, and me and Anthony talk all about it. It's a it's a fun episode. Uh, it's not super deep like the movie, but it's a very fun movie, <laughs> I think a very fun conversation. Um, so we get into all kinds of stuff, um, just how much we enjoy Beverly Hills Cop 2. Um, there is one big behind-the-scenes kind of scandal um, that I bring up uh, <laughs> that will come up in the episode, but yeah, not too much to say up front in this one so this will probably be the shortest intro i've ever done so um i will say one thing uh you should be hearing this episode on june 21st which would have been uh which was tony scott's birthday and it would have been his 77th birthday this year uh so all i could say is celebrate by watching a tony scott movie maybe or just uh you know, it's just, it's very sad. I was thinking that uh, we should have had at least a few more Tony Scott movies since his death um, in 2012. So yeah, just, it's his birthday. I thought no better way to celebrate than putting out this episode. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, on to my conversation with Anthony. Axel Foley is back. Who is he? I'd say he's a cop. <laughs> this is a Detroit badge. What the hell are you doing in Beverly Hills? I'm going deep, deep, deep. 
deep undercover. Back where he doesn't belong. Excuse me, where are the owners of this house? They're in Hawaii for a week while the construction's happening. I'm Axel Foley, Beverly Hills Billy Inspector. You've stolen this house. How do you steal a house? It's my uncle's house. <laughs> United with all his old buddies. What the hell's going on here? Who the hell are you? I'm Johnny Wishbone, psychic extraordinaire. If you need me, just think Johnny Wishbone and I come running. Lots and biddles. It's like kibbles and bits, but different. Oh, this is a big mistake, a big mistake. Would you lighten up and take some risks? This is definitely breaking the law. So how long would it take to shave those legs anyway? I suppose you're trying to be charming. Actually, I'm just offering my grooming services. Get out of here, you degenerate. I want you out of here. Is this a black thing? Hey, tell your alarm, you're gonna break it. I need authorization. Authorized! Are we having a problem here? You have to! Act the Foley! And this is Max. And Max kills cops for a living! Murphy, Beverly Hills Cop 2, The Heat's back on. All right, everybody, and we're back here on Volume 3 of Unscottable to talk about Beverly Hills Cop 2, and I am joined by my guest, who is the host of the wonderful Cult Movies podcast, as well as a contributor at F This Movie, and he's just one of my favorite people to talk movies with. It's Anthony King. Anthony, how are you? I'm great, Matt. Thanks for having me back. I'm super excited about uh, uh, this series. I've loved the two volumes before, so this is really exciting. Yes, I'm very excited to have you on this. You've been on the show a couple times, but not for Unscottable. And uh, I feel like for this movie in particular, there's really no better guest because uh, it's a, a great person. You're a great person to an 80s cop movie with because you are pretty much an expert on 80s cop movies, cop movies. You hosted a podcast called Neon Badges. It was all about cop movies. So uh, thank you for bringing your expertise to uh, for, do this one for me. <laughs> well, like uh, like we were just talking before recording, the weird thing about Beverly Hills Cop 2 is there's like not a lot in, like if you get the Blu-ray, there's no supplemental features. And so you don't get any commentary. It's hard to find these backstories. And so uh, this one has been a challenge for me to um, kind of research to do my essay about. So, you know, it, this would be one more like just coming from a fan perspective rather than, you know, kind of uh, a research based type of thing, because there's really nothing out there. It's weird. It's very weird. Yes, we, we did talk about this. And I'll tell people up top that it is strange. Like I have this book all about Tony Scott that has the chapters kind of broken up by movies. And the chapter on Beverly Hills Cop 2 is like kind of just not want to say boring, but it's very straightforward. Like there's no real, like there is one very interesting piece of like behind the scenes news. We think we'll get into or like kind of gossip, I guess. But, sure. um, but otherwise it's, yeah, it's a pretty straightforward thing. And there's not, I had so much talk about with Top Gun. Like there was so much stuff going on right. uh, to get that movie set up going on on the, the set. This movie 
I, yeah, I'm looking everywhere. There's no supplemental features on the Blu-ray. I bought an old DVD that really didn't have anything else on it. <laughs> like, um, I found one deleted scene that Tony Scott did like a little bit of, um, kind of like a, like an intro to, and I very, it's just weird. There's just not much information about Beverly Hills Cop too. It's, it's very strange, but, um, but it's a fun movie that I can think I can say we both have a good time with. So we can just talk about it more in the terms of, you know, just a movie that we both enjoy. <laughs> sure. Sure. So, yes, uh, I guess we'll start off here. So um, now uh, this movie came out 87, which is the year I was born. So I did not see it when it came out. But um, how long have you seen this movie? Do you see it like a long time ago? Or is it more recent for you? When did you first see Beverly Hills Cop 2? <laughs> uh, I first saw it probably when I was a kid, although um, I don't remember I don't really remember that. I remember the soundtrack more and, and we will definitely be talking more oh, about yeah. the uh, excellent soundtrack <laughs> to this movie. But, uh, the, you know, the, the first one, the first Beverly Hills cop was like a child of, or uh, a staple of my childhood. And, uh, so I watched this, you know, probably for the second time, but really the first time, I don't know, maybe five years ago and, uh, loved it. And uh, finally got in the weird thing is like there's there's no the only way you can get this on Blu-ray is in that three pack, mm -hmm. uh, which is it's fine. Uh, but I, again, I, I just think that's so strange, like because I love this one almost. I mean, barely, barely less than the first one. And, and I think the first one is one of my all time favorite movies. So I love Beverly Hills Cop, too. And it's just strange that it doesn't seem like it's, uh, you know, it, it it it's not talked about very often and i think it's a great movie it's super entertaining it's it's just as entertaining as the first one uh so you know it's it's really strange but you know i i love and adore this movie and it's one of the reasons that uh i you know years ago wanted to do this book of neon badges of these 80s cop movies it you know this is one of the main ones that i wanted to talk about so uh, it's really exciting Great. Yeah, it's funny because we sound very similar on Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2 as well, because um, because, yeah, I I think I saw them both maybe as a teenager, early 20s. Like I came in kind of later. Um, and I at, when I was younger, I think I liked two even more than one. Um, oh. Now they're, it's basically like a dead heat. I think I, I like them. Basically, it's almost equal. I think I one is kind of edged out, too. Um, but I think they're both just so much fun and so entertaining, um, which it's baffling to me with two as well. If, if there were so many negative reviews of two when it came out, I don't know how many of these you actually read. <laughs> um, no, I, I didn't read any because uh, I sort of figured and I don't like reading uh, things where people shit on movies that I love. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a masochist. Apparently, I do it just to make myself angry. Um, but this is funny now because this is not, they're not fresh reviews, obviously. This is people reviewing this in 87. And um, maybe the people just approach things differently. Maybe time has, I don't know, like they were too close together. But yeah, the reviews are all pretty either mediocre or just straight up negative. I think Roger Ebert. Um, who I'm usually a big fan of gave it like one star, which I think is just like insane because yeah. um, it's so entertaining. And all the reviews are saying stuff like uh, it's not funny. It's mean spirited, which I don't really understand. No. Yeah, I, uh, I, it's crazy. They're saying like it's just ugly, mean spirited, uh, not necessary. What else they say? Just all these things about like basically no one wanted it is what it sounds like. Um, and I don't get that because I'm just like, give me more, especially of um Eddie Murphy hanging out with um, 
uh, Judge Reinhold and John Ashton. I just want more of those three guys hanging out. So I'm, people were so upset that we're coming out. I don't understand. It's so much fun. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Uh, you know, uh, looking at uh, the letterboxed of Beverly Hills Cop 2 and kind of going through uh, my friends who have seen it and like the lowest rating out of, I don't know, like 25 people here that have seen it is a three star. So like interesting. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, pe- pe- people love this movie. I mean, we're, you know, it's mostly four stars, a couple four and a half stars. I, that would be mine. Uh, and I think, are you a four and a half star for Beverly Hills Cop 2? I'm, I'm four, but I'm also oh, four on okay. the first one. But oh, gotcha. uh, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, I mean, obviously people love this movie and I don't know if it's a reappraisal type of thing. Uh, but again, this isn't let's be honest, this isn't going to be one of the movies that like people are going to go back and say, let's give Beverly Hills Cop two another chance. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not going to be one of those types of, you know, cult movie type of things. Well, yeah. And to clarify this, this seems like all the negativity was really coming from professional movie critics. Like it made a ton of money. It made almost as much money as the first movie. And that movie made like three hundred million dollars plus, I believe. Um, and this one almost made three hundred million dollars. So huge hit. I think people still liked it. Just for some reason, critics really had to stick up their ass about this one and just did not like it. And I that's, you know, it's one of those times um, I don't like to show on movie critics. I know a lot of people are just like, who cares what critics think? And I but at this time I'm like, what's wrong with them in this scenario? <laughs> like, right, well, this is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if they love the first one yet, basically the Beverly Hills Cop 2 is essentially I mean, it's the perfect sequel. It's just a continuation. You have all returning characters. Everybody's back. You know, we get new big baddies. Uh, you know, we get the the hot baddie at the time, Brigitte Nielsen. Um, but it, I mean, it's it's the same thing. I don't understand. <laughs> you know why? Whatever. Maybe maybe they were burned out on this type of stuff at the time. Uh, because I mean, it, it it was a really weird time in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, cop movies, uh, were, you know, take for instance, like RoboCop went out and, uh, said something like it, people were going out and writing these kind of satirical action movies that had, that carried like really heavy messages geared toward the government and, you know, sort of you know, fascist. Uh, one of the one of my favorite quotes is so I can't remember who it was, but somebody called RoboCop fascism for liberals. And that's what a lot of these cop movies were. You know, they weren't going out saying we're pro cop. They're going out and like having fun and blowing shit up and, you know, making these jokes. But they're really, you know, sticking it to the government, to to the you know, to the cops, to the authorities. And I think Beverly Hills Cop and Beverly Hills Cop 2 is the same thing. They're out there doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's funny. Yeah, because these three guys, the main guys, uh, you know, like I said, Eddie Murphy, uh, Judge Reinhold, and John Ashton are really, they're still cops, but they're they're always kind of working against the rest of the cops, you know, against the institution. Uh, Eddie Murphy's always kind of like, you you know, kind of rebelling kind of against the institution and kind of getting those two to come along with him and kind of break the rules and uh, all that kind of stuff. So not as not as um, I guess maybe well, a Robocop isn't really obvious. Some people didn't get it, obviously. But right. um, but yeah, it's 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 still it's funny. Like, I don't the mean spirited thing really blows me away because I don't see how that's that's true about this movie. because I just think it's a ton of fun. I think you're right. I think it's a, a perfect sequel because I think it takes um 
kind of what you did in the first one and just kind of gives you more of that, you know, and I, I don't have a problem with that. Like if, if I love the first one and you give me more of that and you kind of get to jump right in with the characters, which is always something I appreciate about sequels, I think that you can just kind of get past all the introduction stuff and just jump right in, you know, and just kind of get back into to the fun of things. That's probably my favorite part of the whole movie is just watching the three of them hang out and just kind of dick around basically. <laughs> yeah. Now. Okay. Remind, I haven't seen Beverly Hills cop three since it came out. Uh, have you watched that recently? Oh, I've never seen Beverly Hills. Cop okay. 3. <laughs> so yeah. like, you know, if, if you're looking at the IMDB, uh, Reinhold and Ashton are in it, but they're like way down the list. So I can't, I can't even remember. And I, like I said, I have that, that, uh, three pack, uh, Blu-ray thing. Uh, with all three Beverly Hills Cop movies on it, and so I'm I'm definitely going to watch it here soon. I just I remember it, you know, it was at an age where I was starting to get let down by sequels. I remember uh, I did not like Gremlins two. I know that's sacrilege to say, uh, and Ghostbusters two when that came out, and I was I don't know not even ten years old, and I saw that, and I just remember being so disappointed that a movie went out and fucked up this other movie that I really loved. Of course, that's not true. Uh, but then Beverly Hills Cop 3 comes out. I'm like, man, this is, it, it's just not, it doesn't hit the same, man. Um, so, but, you know, I, I think that's a different story where it's a whole bunch of different people. You got your three other, you know, of course, Eddie Murphy's going to be leading the show here. Um, and if they come out with this fourth one, that's going to be really really interesting directed by the uh the two guys that did the the new bad boys movie um but anyways yeah i i I just the second one is just a perfect sequel in that we get everybody is back and they add a little bit of drama with uh captain bogomil getting shot and you don't know uh you know you really don't know is he gonna make it is he not gonna make it um I also like the fact that they don't in these movies, Eddie Murphy's our lead character, but they don't fuck around with any in part of my language, but they don't mess around with any romantic stuff. He leads on that. He, you know, he's attracted to Bogomil's daughter. And when he calls, you know, he talks to her and, and obviously like he feels deep affection for this family. But I, I just like that this movie and a lot of these 80s cop movies they don't mess around with that you know they, you don't need any of that it's just it's straight balls to the wall goofy action and comedy and uh this delivers on all fronts yeah yeah that's a great point because uh even the first one i kind of thought there was more of a romantic plot with him i cannot remember her name or the actress's name, but it's not as much as I thought. It and uh, a romantic plot would would completely weigh this movie down. I feel like oh. there's already like <laughs> there's just no space for it to fit in. Like um, he's too busy bonding with uh, with uh, Rosewood and uh, and Taggart. <laughs> it's right. Like, uh, yeah, it's funny because yeah, and the the thing about uh, three going back to that is like I've heard such bad things about three, and friends of mine have just literally said, "Don't even bother to watch three. That I've never. I have no desire to watch it. So, um, and it, I think they do have kind of cameos, uh, John Ashton and judge Rhino. I don't think they're fully in the movie. I mean, cause I saw that too. They're really far on the cast list. And, uh, I wonder if it's like a, like a diehard two thing where John McClane calls up, um, Reginald Bell Johnson. That's all, oh. you know what I mean? They just put a phone call or something Right. <laughs> like, uh, cause I just, yeah, it's like everything I've heard has been bad. I think I read some quote that, um, 
because John Landis directed Beverly Hills Cop 3, yeah. and he thinks that uh, his opinion was Eddie Murphy, like, really didn't want to do that movie and kind of, like, sabotaged it by just intentionally trying not to be funny. So, <laughs> I, you know, Eddie went through uh, a period like that, and obviously he's back. Of course, Dolomite was, like, his big return, and and I'm excited to see what what comes next from him. But there was a time, you know, he was really burned out because, you know, he had been... You know, he'd been on the road for so many years doing stand up and then he got the SNL gig and then he, you know, he was on that for a year or two and then he went into uh, 48 hours and then all of a sudden he becomes this huge movie star. And so for the next 10, 11, 12 years, like, you know, he's still doing stand up specials. He's probably doing TV specials, hosting SNL, whatever. He's doing movie after movie after movie. And by this time, he's like, do I want to do another, you know, another one of these things? Because he did write. Uh, the he's got a writing credit for the second one Mm -hmm. and you know obviously and there's there's a lot of time in between two and three not as much as say the bad boys uh franchise but uh he was burned out and i'm not gonna blame him you know this seems like some sort of weird money grab type of thing um although I, i i will say i did have the beverly hills cop 3 soundtrack on tape (laughs) <laughs> and uh, played that thing endlessly. Not as much as the second one that we had on mm-hmm. Vine, though. <laughs> well, yeah, these soundtracks are fantastic. We could talk about that a little bit. <laughs> I I will tell. I I've listened to the song "Shakedown" like twenty five <laughs> times in the past two days. <laughs> like that, I've I watched Beverly Hills Cop two twice, um, back to back days, and can't stop listening to "Shakedown." And there's plenty of other great songs in the soundtrack too. Like the first two movies. The music is so good. Like, it's just, it's incredible. <laughs> okay, well, so, uh, hearkening back to an older episode you and I did, the first, I think it was the first mm-hmm. uh, movie swap we did where you gave me Sing Street, and we're talking about uh, Drive It Like You, what's it called? Drive It Like, Drive you, it like stole. you Stole It, yep. Okay. <laughs> so, like, between that and Shakedown, Matt, we're on, like, some kick-ass sort of soundtrack role here with, like, <laughs> he catches songs. Uh, yeah, I, you know, Harold Faltermeyer, uh, wrote it says I think it's Harold Fultermeyer. Uh, the composer, of course, composed uh, the Beverly Hills Cop theme, Axel F. But mm-hmm. I didn't realize this until I watched this the other night. He wrote for the movie Shakedown for Bob Seger to sing. I thought it was like you know just a, a Seger track from another record. No, Fultermeyer wrote Shakedown for this movie for Bob Seger. I think that's kick ass. I don't know why, but I just love that. <laughs> I mean, it's a kick-ass song, so that's that's pretty fantastic. I think I had missed that bit. I, I was reading about um, how uh, that Glenn Fry, who sang Heat Is On, mm-hmm. which is also a great song, was supposed to sing Shakedown, but his vocal cords were messed up at oh. the time. So, so he passed it on to Bob Seger. And I think I read that this was Bob Seger's first number one hit. Oh, like, nice. Which is crazy, because he was so famous before this, too. So he kind of got lucky that he kind of got handed that song. And, oh, that's uh, so cool. Yeah. I, uh, man, you know, I, The Heat Is On, of course, that's, God, both of these soundtracks, holy crap, <laughs> the hits off of these things. I'll tell, okay, so uh, Shakedown, of course, it is just one of the greatest songs ever. But I love that uh, Pointer Sister song. What is it? Um, I can't even remember what it's called, but oh, my God. Uh, Be There? Yes, be there. Thank you. Yes, oh my it's God, really good. <laughs> so freaking good. So real quick, um, my note here says one of my favorite all time soundtracks, uh, Better Way by James Ingram, who for some reason, I don't know why. So I'm a Midwest guy, uh, incredibly white, uh, you know, corn fed 
all the way, you know, <laughs> in potatoes type of guy. Mm-hmm. I grew up listening to like Luther Vandross and, and like James Ingram and like, you know, uh, black singers because uh, my parents were fucking cool and like, uh, you know, super <laughs> hip. But a- anyway, so like this stuff was like this was just like what we listen to normally. Uh, but then you had Shakedown. <laughs> uh, it's not on the soundtrack, but it's part of <laughs> when they go into the strip club. I want your sex by George Michael. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is a really I, catchy song. <laughs> I love I mean, come on. I, I, I really love George Michael. Um, and then that Porner sister song, Be There. God, the whole soundtrack is so damn good. <laughs> it, it really is. It's it's so it's so good. There's so many catchy songs. Here's a tough question for you, I think. Uh, if you had to pick one, <laughs> which you like better, Heat Is On or Shakedown? Oh, I'm going to say... Uh, uh, I'm going to say Shakedown. Just because... Uh, okay, so... Th- Think about uh, what's uh, Caddyshack. What's Kenny Loggins' song? Like the theme basically from Caddyshack. Uh, it's that, uh, <laughs> yeah. that and Shakedown. And I mean, even Footloose a little bit. But they have that. Like a, a driving sort of like a mm, bass line mm-hmm. that's mirrored yeah. by the piano. It's just, oh God, it's so good. Although Heat Is On does a little bit of that too. That's interesting. But no, I'm going uh, Seeger and Shakedown. Totally. Okay, I'm the same way. And I love Heat Is On because I was watching the first one and I was like, oh man, Heat Is On is so great. I was playing that song back and back to back all, you know, a few yeah. times. Then like Shakedown came on and I'm like, oh, okay. I'm listening to Shakedown even more. So I guess I like Shakedown more. Hell but yes. It's so good. Yeah, I, um, I think, well, <laughs> so uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I'm going to shut up here. No, it's, it's fine. I think we're both very excited about this. So it's okay. <laughs> Like, well, Dan, just like Daniel was like, oh, shit, I can't, uh, you know, I saw his rating. I told you we're, we're talking like auctioneers here. <laughs> you did call it. You said we're very excitable on this one, um, which is funny because, yeah, I was coming into this one and I'm like, well, this is kind of a weird one for Tony Scott because um, it is, it is it's only his only sequel. Uh, it's comedy, which he's definitely not known for. Right. Um, he's got funny moments in movies, but it's not a comedy guy necessarily. Um, and apparently that was part of the reason to bring him in because uh, um, Dom, Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer uh, you know, they were so happy with how Top Gun did. Mm-hmm. They were like, well, bring Tony Scott. They wanted to, I think, up the action in Beverly Hills Cop 2. I do think the action is better in 2 than 1, but 2 is probably funnier. But I think 2 is very funny, too. It's very, that's why it's, like, close. I feel like the action goes, I feel like the action gets much better in 2. The comedy goes down just a little bit. But I feel like, I think people gave Tony Scott crap for he didn't do all the comedy. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, he has Eddie Murphy. He just let Eddie Murphy go. And it's like, you can't, ru- you know what I mean? He can't ruin that. So. Yeah. Okay, so that's really interesting you said that. So I agree, action. You got Tony Scott, Martin Bress, not known as an action director. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Eddie Murphy is not... Like, there were a few line readings that I, I that hit uh, kind of flat. Oh, okay. Uh, on this rewatch of Beverly Hills Cop 2, which is interesting. This is taking nothing away from the movie. Obviously, I fucking love this movie. Uh <laughs> But I could tell, I don't know, there's just something about certain lines that in, I think it, it hit three times. He would say something, and I couldn't tell you specifically, but his facial expression, it just told me that he wasn't buying into what he was reading there. Whereas in the first one, uh, I felt like Martin Brest just said, Eddie Murphy, go. 
do whatever mm-hmm. you want. And I, I feel like Tony, uh, as much as I love, love Tony Scott, uh, maybe tried to rein Eddie in a little bit here. And I could see that maybe raining Eddie or uh, rubbing Eddie the wrong way. But there was just a couple times where I was like, this should have been this line, just this single sentence should have been much funnier, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Anyways, not again, not a big deal. Uh, but I, I 100% agree with you. Action much better in, in two, comedy much better in one. Yeah, it's and it's funny because what you just said that you thought Tony Scott might have been reining him, him in a little bit. I kind of thought the same thing too. Mm. But from what I'm reading, what I was reading the the, the book that I use, uh, is that Tony Scott came because I was also like, why is no one talking about this movie? Was it a horrible experience for everybody yeah. on set? Um, doesn't sound like it. That's the it, so I read the, the <laughs> chapter made it sound like I thought this was a disaster. But Tony Scott comes on the set. Uh, it said everybody loved his energy. Uh, he had his storyboards ready to go. He was very famous for like yep. storyboarding things out. And he said that it, apparently he was intimidated by Eddie Murphy because, you know, mm. it's funny with Top Gun. He goes into that with Tom Cruise, who's like a star on the rise, makes him a superstar. Right. He gets Beverly Hills Cop 2. Eddie Murphy has become a superstar. Right. He's he's handed a superstar and a big franchise. So he said he's intimidated by Eddie Murphy. But then apparently what I read was that he kind of leaned into like, OK, I need to collaborate with Eddie. I don't want to be mm. Eddie's. Yeah, you know, bad guy because yep. Yep. because I don't want to piss him off. He's a star. So apparently, he really leaned into like, you know, bonding with Eddie, and collaborating with him. And he said, he because Eddie was doing all this improvisation stuff, which he's known for. So yep. Tony Scott constantly had two cameras on him because he didn't miss anything, mm. which I guess was not as standard in '87 or to '86. Yeah, yep. you, know, you know, to set that up. So he had set up two cameras to capture everything, <laughs> and he sounds like he let Eddie go. But I thought the same thing you did that. um that maybe there was clashing because Tony Scott wanted, you know, maybe more structure or, you know, dial back the comedy. But it doesn't sound that way. What I think I read was that Eddie Murphy kind of he, he Eddie Murphy had a quote where something about like that. He thought Beverly Hills Cop 2 was very half assed by everybody, including himself. Um, huh. But if this is half assed, that's pretty Jesus. good. Yeah, no. shit, <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, you know, and who knows, maybe it wasn't Eddie and Tony. They could have been like, you know, like brothers on set. Who knows? Maybe it was Eddie and somebody else, somebody who was in that scene or whatever. Who knows what happens at any given time on on a movie set? There's a million things going on at once. You know, uh, actors are under so much pressure. Uh, I, I, again, the movie, I fucking love this movie. So I hold nothing against it. You know, a bad line can pass. It's fine. Whatever. Uh, I just thought that was interesting. Uh, But so here's what I love about Tony. So by the time this comes out, you will have heard me on F this movie. And I talk about revenge. And uh, there's only one more uh, Tony movie that I haven't seen. And that's Domino. And uh, probably by the time this comes out, I will have seen Domino. But what I love about Tony Scott is (laughs) he loves to shoot at sunset and sunrise doesn't he yes he does yes he does (laughs) i love that i immediately you know this is a tony scott movie because it opens with you know sunrise and then you know cut to eddie he's getting ready in the you know in his duds in his apartment and uh with kind of faltermeyer's sort of pulsing score uh and it is he loves that look and he shoots it so well he knows it so well and 
Top Gun, one of my all-time favorite movies. I know a lot of people don't like it, but you know it's a total nostalgia thing for me. I love that movie. Um, but God, Tony knows how to shoot the horizon during sunrise and sunset. It's crazy. I love it. <laughs> I know it's one of favorite things. It's so good, and it's but yeah, I was thinking like you get Tony Scott hallmarks like right off the bat in this movie. Yep. You get like the the skyline, the sunset, and then like of course light coming in through blinds, which sounds like such a simple thing, but everyone knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> like like Eddie Murphy's by like the window, and just how he lights it, like bl- light coming in through blinds. Yes. and I'm like, oh yeah, Tony Scott movie, and then right after that, you've got Ronnie Cox like running through that uh, oil yeah. field, right? And it's yeah. another great like kind of uh, dusk shot, you know, orange sky. I'm like, oh, yeah, Tony Scott. Okay, so, uh, yeah. You know what's interesting? Okay, so uh, harken back to, this is the second time I said harken. My God, what's wrong with me? Uh, Go back to Top Gun. Okay, opening shots are, it's sort of uh, that montage of the aircraft carrier and, like, planes lining up to take off off the deck there. And you got the sound, the 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 score by, again, Faltermeyer with the, you know, the that type of thing that's what beverly hills cop 2 opens with we get the the sunrise or it's whatever it is it's orange it doesn't matter when what time of day it's orange uh but you get that that sort of like a heavy reverb on the hi-hat type of thing and you feel that steamy california sunrise in beverly hills and then we see brigitte nielsen uh you know uh it's a big bitch <laughs> quoting axel there uh she's you know i love brigitte nielsen um and god she plays one of the best baddies but it just all works so well but that as soon as this comes on you get that the sunrise and then the and i was like my god tony loves that that combo <laughs> the orange and the like the heavy reverb hi-hat thing i love it it's so cool he's got his fingerprints all over this one it's funny yeah that was everything i was thinking like because I hadn't watched this in a while, and I was thinking, like, oh, it's a sequel. He took over a popular franchise. I forgot how Tony Scott is Beverly Hills Cop 2. It's it's pretty Tony Scott. Like, it's pretty <laughs> much, like he's got his hands on it, and uh, which is cool. I love that. And uh, it's still, but it's still a very fun movie. Like, I don't feel like, I feel like his style is just helping elevate things, which is probably one of the reasons now that I, I, I like it so much. And see, now we're talking about, I think I might like it more than one again. <laughs> like it's all coming back. The, you did mention uh, Brigitte Nielsen, and that is one of the things I definitely like more about two than one. I think the villains are much more memorable in two. Yeah. Oh, uh, where's my, I have notes down here. Yeah, the villains, here, here's the thing about at least one and two. I can't, again, can't recall three. Even in, in one, I think the villains are so despicable. They're mm-hmm. just... Both of them are like, you hate these people. And it it wasn't until, I have that note, almost 40 minutes until we actually meet, or until we meet the actual big bad, you right. know, the, the the boss. We've seen Bridget Nielsen. We've seen some of the henchmen. But it's 40 minutes in, almost halfway through the movie, that we meet the big boss. And I think uh, that's, I mean, th- th- that just shows uh, Tony's ability to keep us on our toes and keep us like, we want to see who it is. Who is it? Who is it? And we're halfway through the movie when we finally get to see who the big boss is and we know it's going to keep escalating. I think, I mean, it's phenomenal the way he paces this thing and the way he just keeps us on the edge of our seat. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I didn't realize it was 40 minutes into, I knew it was a while, but it's, yeah, it's so well paced. It's not even that long a movie. It's barely right. an hour and 40 minutes. Like, um, yeah. And then, cause it's, I'm going to butcher his name, but Jurgen. 
Prachnow? Prachnow. Yep. yep. Um, who's a great villain, also the great bad guy name, Maxwell Dent. Which Dent. Is... <laughs> yeah, Dent. Yeah, his limo has the Dent uh, license plate. God, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> it's a great, like, you got Dean Stockwell, who's kind of like the the stooge for the lack of better words. I like, I like Dean Stockwell. Um, mostly on quantum leap is what I'm thinking of. And, uh, Bridget Nielsen, who's just great. Like it's one of those people, it's one of those things where you can't just, you can't take your eyes off her. Cause she just, you'd see her walking. She would turn your head. You know what I mean? If you see yes. her coming around. So she's great. Um, and I guess I, if we're going to mention Bridget Nielsen, that's like the big, <laughs> that's a big story. I took with Beverly Hills cop too, is I'm going to mention this story now about how, and I didn't know this story until I started reading my Beverly, Beverly Hills cop too is that uh, Bridget Nielsen and Tony Scott had an affair during the making of this movie. Oh, um, really? Yes, they were both married. And they and this is the crazy thing. Tony must be a madman because so he's got a wife, but then Bridget Nielsen is married to Sylvester Stallone at this time. Oh, fuck. What? <laughs> oh, my God. The ball's on Tony Scott to right. attempt that. 86 Stallone, who's like in, who's yeah, in like this Rambo is first yeah, blood. Yeah, Rambo. And <laughs> Which, by the way, at the end, uh, Taggart saying "fuck Rambo" when when Billy shoots it. Oh my god! I wonder. Hmm. I wonder if that's a Tony Scott thing. Uh, you want? Anyways, okay. Go. Well, go there's on. the there's the other weird thing. Okay, there's so many. There's a couple levels here. I'm trying to make this all make sense to people. So Beverly Hills Cop One started off as basically Cobra, Stallone's Cobra, but okay. then they. Stallone left the project. Right. And then they. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. 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 So they, if that makes, <laughs> I think I'm telling this right. So then Bruckheimer and Sims are like, oh, okay, cool. We can change the script. We yep. can make it funnier. We can bring in Eddie Murphy. Yes. Re do the whole thing. And then Cobra gets made like two years later at, with Stallone, as it was supposed to be, like a more serious action movie. And Bridget Nielsen is in that movie with Stallone. Yeah. <laughs> They're married. And then in this movie, there's that part where Eddie Murphy goes into Judge Reinhold's uh, apartment where he has all the plants and like guns and action movie posters. The turtle. And, and yeah, the turtle. The, it's like, does turtle have a dick? Yeah. <laughs> Just want to see if the turtle has a dick. Um, and he, and the part where Eddie Murphy make, goes to make a phone call, uh, he's standing right next to the Cobra poster. Oh, <laughs> has really? like a little nod to, to oh, like the I'll whole thing with the first one. This. Oh yeah. my God, that's crazy. <laughs> and then, so of all that, and then you get back to the whole point of like Tony Scott and Bridget Nielsen having an affair and Sloan's her husband. <laughs> it's like this weird inception oh thing. It's crazy. That's like the craziest thing to me about the whole like behind the scenes thing. I'm like, Tony, the ball's on you to, yeah. to go after Stallone's wife. <laughs> like, Okay, so I'm really, see, I didn't know any of that. I'm super intrigued now. I wonder like how much digging I would have to do to like come <laughs> with, with a, you know, really kind of meaty, juicy essay on this. Holy shit, that is crazy. Now, again, <laughs> um, I love Tony Scott. But I'm not going to put it past him for doing the fuck Rambo line and the putting the Cobra poster in there <laughs> as, you know, just saying, hey, look, I'm uh, I'm, I'm fucking your wife right now. <laughs> <laughs> he had a lot of confidence at this time. Apparently, he had a lot of a lot of swagger. Uh, well, you know, I. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, whatever. Listen, if gosh, Bridget Nielsen is like one of the, you know, top sexy women at this time and. You know, it, gosh, if if you're you get her attention, I mean, that is immediately going to at least double your confidence, if not triple or quadruple the confidence <laughs> that you have. You know, if she starts flirting back with you, you got to be like, 
Oh, yeah, I'm I'm top shit right now, man. <laughs> I can take Stallone, whatever. <laughs> I can fight Stallone at his peak, bro. <laughs> like the point where he could, like he could murder people because I feel like he's never in better shape than like Rocky three and four and yeah. Rambo First Blood Part two, and this is right around that time. <laughs> Oh my um, God, that is crazy. Apparently, Tony Scott had a reputation as being a bit of a ladies' man in the 80s, yeah. Uh, yeah. especially. Um, and this guy just sounds like he was just full of confidence. Like, he just, like, you know, just, you know, not even like, it doesn't sound like um, <laughs> ego. It just sounds like he was just very sure of himself well, and, like, what l- he was listen, doing. Matt, uh, I'm not speaking from experience here, but I've heard cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> I've, I've heard that too um i was thinking like i mean it's a don simpson production so there's probably cocaine <laughs> everywhere like i, I mean, imagine yeah, it was the like craft services is just a a, a table full of coke <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's like there's like sandwiches chips cocaine pile um like <laughs> i mean it's the 80s anyway it's like i just yeah that's what i imagine was going on in Beverly Hills cop too it sounds and that's why i thought i'd hear all these stories about being such a wild production and blah blah right. but like i didn't read anything about like that many problems or going over budget or fighting or anything. It's just kind of like Tony came in. People liked him his energy. He made the movie. He got along clearly well with Bridget Nielsen. <laughs> yeah. These were the most polite Coke addicts in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it sounds like. Uh, also speaking of Don Simpson, I think it's funny that um, judge Reinhold said that like the whole bit with um, uh, Rosewood having all those guns in the trunk of his car yeah was lifted from a Don Simpson thing where Don Simpson would drive around, I guess, and show people. He just had guns in the trunk of his car. Jesus Christ. (laughs) These are scary people we're talking about here. Don Simpson (laughs) in the 80s sounds like he was completely out of control, honestly. Like, he sounds like what you would think of as a um, typical Hollywood Hollywood producer. You know what I mean? Like, cocaine, prostitutes, guns, cars. Like, it's just like... (laughs) Well, okay, so that yeah. is so funny because you have that sort of lifestyle. And again, it's it's uh, the mid 80s. It's Hollywood that, you know, this is the lifestyle, obviously. But then you have like the most likable family friendly man in the world named Ronnie Cox uh, <laughs> making his second appearance in this series. And because he he was known as before RoboCop, uh even so uh, Beverly Hills Cop comes out before RoboCop and like RoboCop is his first kind of bad guy role because he was known as like this. Uh, he was on TV shows where he was just so family friendly, like he was so likable. Bogomil obviously is one of my favorite characters of all time, but he is such a likable character that I care for so much. Um but so you have this sort of atmosphere and you just know, obviously it's Hollywood. It's the eighties. We're talking drugs. We're talking sex, whatever. Uh, but then Ronnie Cox is in there and you're just like, oh, gosh, like this, you know, he's sort of like, uh, you know, just this innocent guy. And, you know, he's he's in a coma for most of the movie. But, right. <laughs> uh, you know, this innocent guy, you know, being on set, just I, I'm just imagining Ronnie Cox on set here, you know, walking past the. Uh, craft services cocaine table like uh, no coke for me today thanks yeah i'll pass uh, on the coke i'm good yeah and i look i look at judge reinhold like that too uh mm-hmm. sort of like you know the big you know dopey guy uh and i just have to imagine like you everybody on set i i, I brigitte nielsen kind of scares the shit out of me but it seems <laughs> like you have super friendly super affable people on set 
uh, between Ashton and Reinhold and Cox and Murphy. And it just seems like a hell of a fun time. Uh, and, you know, that comes through in the actual film, which, again, makes it more palpable, makes it more entertaining. You just feel comfortable around these people because they are uh, exuding comfort you know, on set, which comes through the screen, you just, you just love the whole thing. Obviously you look at, you know, people's, and this isn't the end all be all, but like the letterbox ratings, people love this movie. It's, it's a comfort movie. Yeah. Yeah. After watching it twice in two days. Yes, it is a comfort movie. <laughs> like, uh, it's a soundtrack. It's, it's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far to call it a hangout movie, but I really do think like what makes it work is like Eddie Murphy and judge Reinhold and John Ashton, like, hanging out together and getting along and seeming like they have genuine chemistry and a genuine friendship. Like I just love that. That's my favorite part of the whole movie is how they, they interact and how I love how they've like loosened up after the first movie because yes. he couldn't even get in a line the first movie. You know, they would always tell the truth <laughs> and this one, they're like fully on board with him and they're in for all his crazy antics. And I just, I just love that stuff. I love like the little scene when they're at Rosewood's apartment, which I love his apartment, by the way, that it's like, exotic plants and guns <laughs> and like and i love what they do with him where it's like he's so zen with the plants but then he has these guns he's like a gun nut but i love when him and Eddie Murphy sing the dating game theme song it seems like such a genuine little like i think it might have been an improv moment where they're both like by the turtle uh not cage aquarium thing and they're singing the dating game theme song. oh yeah oh my god it's you come on you gotta know that that's gotta be improv right that is so... i think so i think i did let's, read that was an improv give him a moment. big kiss <laughs> oh god it's so great these are obviously friends hanging out i am 100 with you Matt. i got that's why i love this movie so much why did i give it four and a half stars this needs to be five stars Jeez. i gotta go up at least another half star it's, <laughs> I, it's like, <laughs> um it's funny too i gotta go back but ronnie cox because yeah. because as a kid the first things i remember seeing him in were, were robocop and total recall where he's the oh, bad guy right so i've never trusted ronnie cox my whole life <laughs> <laughs> and I see him in this and he's still so like a nice stand-up guy and I'm still like I can't quite trust him because mostly of Robocop <laughs> yeah oh totally well I'll tell you what okay so uh I can't remember um Mike White's uh podcast the projection booth you know he's one of the hardest working podcasters oh ever. yeah <laughs> uh, but he he did a show on Beverly Hills Cop and he did a show on RoboCop and uh, on the RoboCop episode. And th these are like years old now, but the RoboCop episode, he had Ronnie Cox on it. And, and what Mike does, he has the actors or, or crew come on and he talks about uh, their entire filmography, their entire careers, uh, not just the one specific movie he's dedicated this episode to. Anyways, uh, so he's got Ronnie Cox on and Ronnie Cox is just, you know, he's like, I think uh Ronnie Cox's character in Deliverance is Ronnie Cox. You know, mm -hmm. he just, you know, loves to play the banjo or play the guitar. Uh, you know, he's just, he's a super likable, super chill dude. Um, so he comes off that way in that uh, RoboCop episode of Projection Booth. And then Mike got to talk to John Ashton on the Beverly Hills Cop episode. And John Ashton, same thing. Like, you could tell these guys just had so much fun making these movies. It's no wonder they come back a couple years later for a second one because they, you know, they missed each other. They just wanted to hang out some more. And that's what we get. And I think one of my favorite scenes is the strip club, not only because of the George Michael song, but the, <laughs> the, the Gerald Ford Line oh God! Where, yes, you 
And again, that's got to be improv. Eddie walks in and he's like, okay, I'm just going to say something about, you know, something to get these guys in. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm president Jared Ford's uh, representative. And, you know, and uh, here's Ashton and the way he walks down the staircase at the house that, that Eddie has commandeered, uh, but in the plaid pants and like the, <laughs> the uh, like a light, golf outfit, basically. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah the, the yellow sweater and the light blue sport coat. But, you know, he's sitting in there and they get up to leave and everybody stands up to clap. And he's like, do I really look like President Ford? <laughs> and like, I they just go along with it. And, you know, yeah. so you have an entire scene that was probably born out of this one improvised line that Eddie did. I love it. <laughs> that's you're probably right. I, I'd love to know now. I go back and look and see if that's true. I do also love the part where the waitress comes up and uh, and, <laughs> you know, he tries to say what his name is. And, and, he, and she's like. Well, you're much much better looking in person, Mr. Ford or whatever. And he's like, ooh, like, you know, he's like really pleased with himself. <laughs> um, and they're just, yeah, they're just fun to hang out with. It's, it's funny because um, I guess the other big thing about this movie was uh, before this became Beverly Hills Cop 2, uh, it was supposed to be a TV series. That what? They wanted to, yeah, they, <laughs> they just wanted to make, after Beverly Hills Cop, they wanted to do a TV series with Eddie Murphy. Um, and I would love to see a whole series with these guys sure. on mysteries yes. every week, but oh, yeah, Eddie yeah. Murphy was like, no, I'm way too big for TV shows now. <laughs> like, um, cause it's funny, the divide back then in TV and movies, um, like now I feel like that, that gap is so small. Like people, major actors do these like, you know, shows on HBO and it's not a big deal and no one cares, but like. I guess in the eighties, you know, it was seen as a, you couldn't go backwards. Basically, you know, if you're in movies, you can't go back to TV. So Eddie yeah. Murphy's like, I'm not doing a TV show, but I'll do a second movie. And they're like, okay. And they had this whole, the other part was they had a whole script written where they were supposed to go the three, the three main guys. So judge Reinhold, Eddie Murphy and John Ashton are supposed to go to uh, Paris um, because uh, Ronnie Cox's character gets in some trouble over there. Uh, he gets kidnapped or shot or something in Paris. <laughs> So they have to go to Paris, which would have been fun. I would love to see Eddie Murphy as Axel Foley in Paris. But again, they're really playing up Bogomil being such a, a wuss or a, a really, <laughs> really big nerd here, aren't they? Like this guy gets in all sorts of weird trouble. Can't take care of himself. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, it's funny. And this is another Eddie Murphy power move. He he uh, they have the whole script written and they're ready to roll. Basically, Eddie Murphy's like, I don't want to go to Europe. He's no. like, I'm, I'm good in California. I'm happy here. I don't want to travel for two months and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, okay, we'll just move it back to Beverly Hills and, you know, stay in LA. So, um, cause Eddie Murphy has all the cachet in the world. Right. Oh yeah. So, and they can't make the movie without him. So, right. um, yeah, yeah. It's, that's why I really had heard all these stories, about Eddie Murphy being one of those guys that like fights with directors. Um, uh, like, especially I've heard about like him and Wes Craven on like vampire in Brooklyn, I think, mm. uh, him and John Landis on Beverly Hills cop three. So I thought that would be the case with him and Tony Scott, but I didn't really think about it. So it <laughs> sounds like um, sounds like he was he was fine with Tony Scott. So that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that is really interesting. Uh, you know, another thing. Well, I think what helps in maybe with with Eddie, I don't know, feeling comfortable or whatever, like everybody's back. Right. So you right, have yeah. uh, uh, what's his name? Gilbert uh, Gilbert Hill, who plays his his captain in Detroit. Um, and then, uh, Paul Reiser, of course, is back and Paul Reiser, uh, you could just tell what, like, uh, he and Eddie's exchanges 
are complete improv because Paul Reiser, of course, was a stand-up comic at the time, and he and Eddie pr- probably came up around the same circuit, and so they're just, you know, you know, uh, shooting the shit back and forth and like coming up with the jokes, and uh, I think it works really, really well. The other thing about <laughs> Paul Reiser, who I love, uh, but he is talk about cocaine, so coked out in this movie. Like, <laughs> Obviously, they and they play that up like you know he he had a long night he fucked up. The oh yeah, uh, but like even with the two chicks, like, but before that you can see the bags under this dude's eyes and he like he's bugging and you know they're like Paul you're you're so fucked up on coke one hundred percent of the time we're just gonna have to play that in into the character. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I I didn't think about that, but I'm thinking back to the scene where. Um he's been up all night and he calls the the captain. I guess it's a captain. Uh, yeah. uh, and yeah, he does now. I thought he just looked tired. He does look like he's coked out of his mind. Totally. <laughs> I mean, he probably passed by the craft services table and just <laughs> <laughs> got in there. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I, uh, I do love the, um, I hope, I hope he's more like, I hope captain's the right word. Um, uh, inspector, I guess Gilbert Hill is the actor. Yeah. Um, his typical angry, you yeah. know, uh, boss, uh, he has that fucking great line that I will, me and my buddy will still randomly yell at each other. It's like, it's like, don't think Axel, it makes my dick. <laughs> 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 just, just perfect line delivery. Um, and, uh, I mean, he's great. I feel like Paul Reiser might've only had like a scene in the first movie or scene or two. And right. he's got even more. To, it's like, he's got more to do. Um, I think his boss has a little bit less to do, but th- th- you're making me think now about like the whole, you know, like people were mad that part two is like very much a copy of the first one. I think that was part of what Eddie Murphy's quote was too. He's like, we just really copied the formula of the first one. Uh, well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and did it again. I mean, I, but I think the problem, see, I like a lot of like part. I was, I was sorry. I was having a discussion with somebody the other day about like, like what there's so many bad part three movies. I feel yeah. like, like, and I feel like the problem is like with the second part, they think, okay, we can just copy and paste and do very close to the same thing, but we'll push it a little more and blah, blah, blah. But I think by the third one, they think, okay, now we really got to change it up. Yeah. <laughs> and then they get, they get right. into trouble. Like, I'm thinking of the third Blade movie, RoboCop 3, um, oh, God, Rush Hour 3. I mean, there's so many. There's more. I'm just at the top of my head. Like, there's, I feel like part three is where they really start to get in trouble. <laughs> like, no, Beverly I, Hills I, top three, apparently. Yeah, I 100% agree with you because, yeah, part two, it, it's usually the direct sequels uh, from the first one are, holy shit, we made a fuckload of money on that first movie. Let's get out and just do it again. Right. And then, <laughs> so they make that money again, but you know the you know maybe the same creative team doesn't want to return and they're like uh you know whoever the property holders are said we got to make another one uh and so they bring in a whole new crew they're like we have new ideas to take this even further right of course they (laughs) fucked the whole thing up right right um oh man now i'm looking at superman three um uh i like scream three i won't mention that uh there's um Guys, another one too. I mean, it just seems like that's where things kind of tend to go. Spider Man Three, that was the other one I was thinking of. Like things just tend to go off the rails by Part Three, the third X Men movie. It's like things just seem like you probably push it too far, and like it's you know, there's yeah. Lord of the Rings Part Three is good, uh, Return well, of the Jedi is good, it, it, yeah. Halloween Three, Season of the Witch, 
complete i mean way off the rails compared to the first two right right uh, hailed as a classic now i of course i i love halloween 3 season of the witch i do too <laughs> uh, but back then people were like what the fuck is this we just <laughs> michael myers and so that's what they bring back for part four and like it takes a huge you know poopy nose dive right <laughs> to the sewers um uh, i still like part four uh but <laughs> i do you like know, it too yeah i i that's I think that's a really good example. And again, you know, I will report back uh, once I watch Beverly Hills Cop Part Three. Um, you know, I I'm not setting the bar high. I'm I'm not even putting the bar up. I'm just gonna sit down and watch it. <laughs> and uh, what happens? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I should do it too. It's like it's on HBO Max. I've watched the first two. I feel like I should watch finally watch the third one and see for myself. Like, how can it be as bad as everyone says it is? But um i'm I'm just i'm gonna try to put my face my see my patients are so low that i feel like it can't disappoint me right you know it's like how bad can it be famous last words right exactly yeah exactly um okay uh, there's a couple things i want to bring up here real quick just like random funny things that i noticed in the movie okay so uh ronnie cox captain bogomel he is shot while jogging in this uh, muddy oil field um and one thing that was really dark, um, and maybe, I don't know, if this is something that's stuck in those critics' heads who, who were like this really mean-spirited. One, how could you shoot Ronnie Cox? I agree, but <laughs> got to add some sort of drama here. But so he, they shoot him, he falls, and it, Tony holds on his hand, and his finger twitches. And I'm like, oh, that's oh, fucked no. up. That's really good. Um, okay, so... Uh, so Eddie goes back to Bogomil's apartment and he <laughs> looks in the closet and he notices the sneakers and the dirt. And he's like, Oh, what's this about? Did you <laughs> take note of how much dirt was around those sneakers? <laughs> like what is going on here? Like they had to make it that obvious say <laughs> Eddie's, uh, you know, Axel is noticing the dirt here. Here's a whole fucking mound of dirt. Uh, just go back, play that scene, and be like, "What the? Why is there so much dirt?" Anyways, on the uh, shoes uh, or just around the shoes? Uh, around the shoes, like the shoes are fine, like the a little dusty. Okay, I don't but, think I noticed. I noticed they were really dirty. I like the shoe. They really want you to notice the yeah, uh, like red dirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's like obviously okay. Uh, <laughs> the other thing is, um, I love uh, one of my favorite kind of subgenres of of a movie of an action movie is the heist movie. And on top of everything else, Beverly Hills Cop 2, good action movie, good comedy. It's a good heist movie. And the way that Brigitte and uh, I can't remember the the big boss's name, but uh, it's I love watching a well-organized heist where she's there. She's running the show. She's calling out the time, you know, one minute, 45, one minute, 30, one minute, 30 seconds. And that's when they, you know, blow the whatever they do to get out of there i love watching that stuff one because i'm i i pride myself on being very organized and so when i see criminals go in and like knock out this like flawless heist in less mm-hmm. than two minutes i'm just like oh that's good stuff oh, so good. <laughs> smoke a cigarette after this <laughs> oh yeah but that's like beverly hills cop 2 it's a good heist movie you get a, two or three really nice heist scenes yeah, yeah, I'm with you too. I do love a good heist scene. Like, I don't know what it is about watching like 
uh, a group of like criminals like execute a really good heist where they're like really precisely timed out and like um i'm thinking of like uh just heist like in heat and point break and like yeah. i love that shit <laughs> like yeah. i'm like give me a good a good heist it's always like very exciting if there's like always an element of like you know will they pull it off in time will the cops show up like that'll raise the stakes if you know um but yeah, there's something just people people who are good at their jobs. I feel like, which is it sounds like a Michael Mann movie now, but it's like it's like yeah, <laughs> it's, you're really really good at your job. That's like um, yeah, I'm I'm with you though. I love those kind of scenes. So yeah, <laughs> that's another part that I like about about two. Uh, okay, two two more just random things. Uh, one, this is uh, the first time we get to see Chris Rock in a movie. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a ballet guy at the the Playboy Mansion, which uh, not my favorite part it's like hey let's you know get some more famous people in here oh they have be in this movie for a second and i don't know if that's a tony <laughs> scott thing whatever uh, or pro- probably a don simpson thing possibly i will say historic note though that was the first movie allowed to shoot at the playboy mansion oh really it was uh hugh hefner had been very like protective of the mansion and then like Somehow, I guess he loved Beverly Hills Cop 1, and then I guess somebody asked him, or I don't know, and he just was like, okay. Like, he just seemed like he was like, all right, I'll let you shoot here. But yeah, at first, he he just never really shoot a movie there before. I guess he would ask, and he turned him down. But um, I, I thought it was funny that, uh, what do you think of his, like, line readings? I thought, I was like, you're not very good at this, you have <laughs> Hef? Oh, he's, like, one of the worst actors ever. <laughs> Uh, I was like, well, good try, Hef, but not not great. Uh, like... Yeah, no, he's a uh, you know good businessman, uh, but holy frick, yeah, he's not <laughs> man, he's not a good actor. Uh, so that scene is also where we first see Paul. Help me out with his last name. Maybe you know Guilfoil. Is it Guilfoil? Guilfoil. Okay, we'll say that. Uh, <laughs> you know, and he, he most people know him from was it CSI? I think he was on for years and years. Uh, but his hair in this movie, what the fuck is going on? He's got this, like this horrific Boris Johnson haircut. Yeah. Uh, yeah. like this, this super ugly bleach blonde. Uh, it's, it, it's horrific. And like, he only has a couple lines in the movie. You know, he plays one of the, uh, where are they from? Are they Russian or German or who? Austria, Austrian, whatever. Um, <laughs> one of those European countries. <laughs> one of those, yeah. Where in the eighties it was always Russia, Germany, or Austria. Right. Bad guy, right? <laughs> um, but oh my god, just the hair on him is horrific. What's going on there? I I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I didn't even think about how bad the hair is till I looked at. I hadn't looked the actor up, but I'm like, oh, I recognize this guy, but he looks nothing like he does in Beverly Hills Cop 2. This is, he looks so different, I feel like. Um, but yeah, the hair is pretty bad. Uh, yeah, Thermopolis was his name in the movie. Oh, okay. uh, he has that horrible, Boris Johnson's a good call. He does have that horrible, like, he looks like a small boy, like a bowl cut thing. It's just not, it's not a good look. For no, anybody. no, it's not. Uh, the, uh, so going back to kind of the action comedy of it, and, and I think. Uh, there are two types of movies that are super hard to make. I think horror comedies, uh, the good horror comedies are good for a reason because there's a perfect balance. And I think action comedies uh, is, is the same thing. You got to have that perfect balance between the action and the comedy. I think the first two bad boys do it really well. Beverly Hills Cop one and two do it really well. But I think, uh, you know, Beverly Hills Cop, the first one, of course, is uh, so well known for that opening uh, the cigarette deal that goes oh back. Oh God! Yep. <laughs> and Axel's hanging so off the back of the truck, and like, I mean, they fuck up 
a whole neighborhood of Detroit. Like they're destroying cars <laughs> left and right. I mean, you're you're watching this thinking, how did they get away with this? How did people not get hurt? I'm sure people did get hurt. Uh, but same thing with this with this freaking was it's a cement truck. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I I've read and and it's happened in my own town. I there's been stories of cement trucks hitting cars like rear-ending cars and just killing the person in in that car because the, the cement truck just weighs so much, you know? Um, and so I have that in my mind thinking Billy is like just, he's torpedoing down <laughs> Beverly Hills, fucking killing people left and right, just hitting anything and like cops. And it's so funny. <laughs> there's that one scene where uh, all these cops like plow into the back of the cement truck while Billy stops. Oh yeah. And like Billy doesn't budge at all. He's like, huh? What? Uh, all these cop, like, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, speaking of John Landis, uh, blues brothers, the, the, the huge cop car pile up in that. Uh, but these guys get out and they're just like exasperated. Like what the hell just happened there? And Billy just kind of tears off again. Uh, but Jesus, I, you gotta think this is some more improv from Eddie's part. Uh, he says, <laughs> do the brakes work i don't know have you have you tried them yet um and then my favorite this is probably my favorite line of the whole movie at least the favorite my favorite line reading he goes are you driving with your eyes open or are you are you like using the force <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> oh i hadn't thought about all the collateral damage in that scene too <laughs> just Billy going through all these cars. Yeah, oh my God, it's crazy! And you know that's Tony Scott. The guy obviously knows how to shoot action and and these huge, fucking bombastic, like dangerous looking sequences. And I mean, he God, he nails it so good here. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I that I, I do love the mix of action comedy. I do feel like it's like you said, a horror comedy. That one's really hard to get right. I feel like mm -hmm. that balance is even tougher. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's like if you have the wrong star in action comedy it's not as funny and you know it's uh it's yeah it's a tough thing to get but i think they really get it down pretty well with these first two movies um and yeah the action is i love the tony scott action stuff i mean it's like he does it great like you said he's, he's so good at it um and yeah i'm just trying to think of other stuff because um kind of feels like we've we've made a lot of our points here but um oh i will say <laughs> You brought up one of your favorite lines. Uh, I, it's such a little moment, but it's like a very like comedic moment when Eddie Murphy's in that pool at that house that he pretty much uh, <laughs> that he stole. Oh, I will also say this. One of my favorite things about these two movies, specifically Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2, is to go in, is to watch Eddie Murphy go into a place and mm -hmm. bullshit <laughs> someone or a whole room of people. Watching Eddie Murphy bullshit people is one of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> like, um because he could pull it off. You're like, yeah, I'd buy that crap. <laughs> like, yep. like, the Johnny Wishbone bit kills me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, just the whole, you know, he's like, oh, I'll go. See. And he, he leaves the door. He leaves the room. And he's still like, oh, your name's Johnson. Uh, it's like, <laughs> like, just get people's names. Um, right. That Johnny Wishbone thing is great. But the part where Eddie Murphy's in that the pool at the house that he bullshitted his way into, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, that the, that Rosewood and uh, Taggart come there, and he's like telling them to get in the pool. And me and my friend also have quoted this line forever for some reason. Just we find it hilarious when Eddie Murphy's like, "Ooh, I love you, talk dirty. Get your mad ass in this pool." <laughs> <laughs> And then Taggart falls into the pool, which is great. But yeah. uh, just the, the get your mad ass in this pool has <laughs> <laughs> really his perfect line delivery again. But um, God, Eddie Murphy is a friggin' 
charisma factory. Honestly, <laughs> like, I was just oh amazed. Well, you, yeah. you know, you watch. Uh, 48 hours is like his big kind of coming out party, uh, you know, f- for movies. And you watch that and you're like, hold, this guy is going to be a movie star. And I mean, you know, that's what Beverly Hills Cop, it's playing off of those movies, obviously. Um, and I, I love uh, 48 hours and another 48 hours as much as I love Beverly Hills Cop and Beverly Hills Cop 2. Uh, and he, he is, you know, when people say, movie star it's tom cruise it's brad pitt uh but uh, for me it's always been eddie murphy is the first name that comes to mind when people say movie star it's always been like that ever since i was a kid because i mean eddie murphy was like the top shit when i was a kid and to me even at 40 years old he is still top shit for me yeah yeah i mean it's funny because he had that like kind of, I guess, rough patch where like, you know, things were bombing like Pluto Nash and like Norbit. <laughs> and uh, even before that, he kind of moved to like more kid friendly movies. Right. Um, but then I watched him Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2. I'm like, this guy was a force of nature. Like he comes into a scene and just like takes over. You can't not look at him. You can't pay attention. You have to pay attention to him. Um, I'm like, yeah, movie star through and through. Um, it's crazy. And I was thinking about two uh, Beverly Hills Cop one specifically, because the thing about both these movies is like one of the weaker points I would say are the, the plots, like the plots aren't very important. <laughs> They're kind of like, oh, yeah, right. it's yeah. like, who cares? Um, but I'm like, man, the first movie, if you have, I, I can't think of anybody else to play the Axel Foley part. Like, I don't think the movie works at all without any, no, movie. no, 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 no. <laughs> <It's>, well, yeah. <laughs> so how many, if you hear the theme song, to Beverly Hills Cop, it's called Axel F. Right. <laughs> you only think of Eddie Murphy. Like, how many songs have you heard, whether it's attributed to a movie or not, and you think of a person? I can't think of, off the top of my head, I can't think of any song where it comes on and immediately Eddie Murphy pops into my head. Like, there's, <laughs> there's no other song that somebody pops into my head when it comes on. That's the crazy thing. Like, it, he... This is such a cultural thing. Like people know Beverly Hills Cop, whether they've seen the movie or not. They know you say Beverly Hills Cop. They know Eddie Murphy. They know the song. Yes. And uh, funny, the only example I could think of is like song to it's not really an actor, but it's character is the Halloween thing to Michael Myers. If I hear that. I think of, I think okay, of Michael yeah. Myers up Yeah, that's, funny. that's a good they, example. Yeah, they yeah. Queue, they queue up Axel F whenever Eddie Murphy's about to do some cool shit. I feel like it's like it's... Well, what's cool it, about Beverly Hills Cop 2 is that it's basically Faltermeyer's whole score besides the soundtrack is just uh, different motifs from the from the main Axel F themes, whether they're slowed down or they're played in a different key. Uh, and I noticed that on this rewatch, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's part of the theme song. It's just slower and it works, you know, throw in some that and, you know, it's a completely different song, but it's not. It's still the same melody. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's very interesting. Like, it's such a it's another kind of like simple thing that becomes so iconic for itself and for the character. But um yeah the music's a huge part of both these movies so um yeah it's like the it's like the perfect package of a movie and that that was the other thing that i kept reading about in the reviews was like 
this movie's not about anything. It's not saying anything. I'm like, no. does it does it have to be? Like, who cares? You know what I mean? Right. Like, who cares? It's a fun movie. Um, I guess you maybe you were right earlier about the Robocop. Maybe people were looking for more messages and at this time or something and didn't want shallow movies. But I'm like, a movie can just be entertaining. That's that's fine. I don't see what the problem is. God, yeah. No, I and you know, I think that's there's more being said in the first Beverly Hills Cop than this one. I think this one, one, it's about the money. Two, it's just about, you know, everybody getting back and hanging out, uh, getting back together and hanging out, making this movie. And again, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And I I wonder if, yeah, critics at the time needed more. Well, you know, we don't always need to come to movies for, and you know, it, it's not always escapism. I don't want to always go to movies for escapism. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's okay sometimes, you know, especially at like this heavy, heavy period in American history, uh, you know, it, who knows what was going through. Right. Mind. And I'm like, well, why are you looking to Beverly Hills Cop 2 for like messages? You know what I mean? Right. Like, just go to have a good time. Um, I just thought that was, I kept coming up and I was like, why were they looking to Beverly Hills Cop 2 to be a message movie? <laughs> so um, I just, I just love this movie. I think it's a ton of fun. Um, the funny thing is like, if I, I think at the end of all this, I will probably do a whole episode where I rank my Tony Scott movies in order. The funny thing is, as much as I love this movie, I still think it may be more near like the middle or the bottom just because <laughs> there's so many Tony Scott movies sure. I love that feel more like Tony Scott, probably. Yeah. Um, I guess that's kind of a big thing to come out of Beverly Hills Cop, too, is that he does this. It does do super well. Um, but then, as I was reading in the the book that I have that, like, he basically he did this and he was like, well, I don't want to keep working, you know, only with Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer, even though it's like going very well and right. I'm making a lot of money and are doing well. He's like, I've got to I want to branch out and do other stuff. Like, he basically knew he had his chance for a blank check movie, which is how revenge uh, kind of comes oh, along and branches out. <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I, I just that is interesting because, you know, revenge then opens up with, uh, you know, you have this air air force, this jet pilot. And you're like, oh, he's, you know, doing what he knows. He knows uh, fighter jets. Tony Scott here going back to the fighter jets type of thing. Yeah, it's funny because I heard someone describe it as like a very dark version of Top Gun or something like like a dark sequel to Top Gun. <laughs> um, which I like is interesting. that, actually. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a fun way to think of it. Uh, and it's so it is so funny coming off like Top Gun and Beverly Scott 2, which are like very polished um, Hollywood productions to go to like revenge, which is a whole new episode, but it, and you just watch it. So it's like, it does feel very like down, dirty, gritty, which I think hap is way more Tony Scott in his later career. Like I don't, it's not as glossy. He does like some really like violent <laughs> gritty movies. And I feel like revenge is like kind of the, the starting point for all that. So it's very interesting, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do you have anything else in Beverly Hills cop two specifically or. Uh, no, I, I think, you know, if, if, Listen, the reason I love 80s cop movies so much is one, I that's what I grew up watching all the time. And two, if you watch Beverly Hills Cop 2, it's it's this sort of like unspeakable flavor that these movies have. It's wet streets, it's neon lights, it's uh, you know, orange sunrises and sunsets. It's steamy. There's just some sort of uh, weird vibe you get from these movies. And Beverly Hills Cop 2 has it all, and which is one of the reasons I love it so much. 
<laughs> yeah, I was thinking I love the look of this movie. It's uh, it looks so good. And yeah, movies don't look like this anymore. That's what I kept thinking, <laughs> like, yep. uh, which is sad. But I mean, it, it looked great. Tony Scott shot the hell out of this comedy action sequel that he just kind of got pulled into and was like, well, I'm still going to I'm still going to crush it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So I, I really love this movie. I yeah, I could probably watch it again in a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I could throw the first two on any time. And I guess eventually I'll watch that third movie um, and see how that goes <laughs> so, oh, one day. But um, well, I will. I ask everybody at the end uh, or during the episode, uh, I am curious, what is your what's your favorite Tony Scott movie? Well, um, you know, I think so for for years, uh, Spy Game was my favorite movie of all time. Um, but I haven't seen Spy Game, you know, in maybe 10 or 12 years. So right now I'm going to say Top Gun uh, because that's a movie I can literally put on anytime. I'm always in the mood for Top Gun. Always. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm just... Uh... I get it. I, it's funny because uh, Top Gun is one that I am slowly coming around to. <laughs> uh, as I kind of said in the episode, I feel like just rewatching it and like things about it are making me re kind of like it more because I saw it super late in my I saw it like the first time maybe three or four years ago. I don't remember like a few years ago. And uh, and, it, you know, I was kind of like, I don't get Top Gun. <laughs> um, but the more I watch it, the more I'm like, I kind of like Top Gun. It's like a fun hangout movie in a weird way. Like, um and it's got, you know, jets and cool shit going on. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, who, you know, I I, I feel like a, a little kid again. Well, okay, here's the deal. Uh, we grew up with uh, just a couple VHS, maybe three VHS tapes. We had Top Gun. We had Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And we had Fatal Attraction. Uh, of course, I wasn't allowed to watch Fatal Attraction until right. I was older. Uh, so I watched... And rewatched and rewatched Top Gun and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, to this day, they're two of my all-time favorite movies. Um, and, and listen, I if somebody says Top Gun, I don't get it, or Top Gun, uh, two thumbs down, I'm not going to hold anything against you. This is a total nostalgia pick for me. Uh, but again, you know, it's cool shit. Uh, fast airplanes. It's a great freaking soundtrack. Again. Uh, but this, I mean, listen, Tony Scott, like I said, the only thing I haven't seen is Domino and there isn't a Tony Scott film that I don't like. We're talking, okay. Beverly Hills cop two is a four and a half star movie for me. Uh, spy game again, you know, right now I haven't seen it in 10 years, of course, but you know, as a five star movie, top gun is a five star movie. Beverly Hills cop two is like right at the top with them. Uh, the, the man just, he cannot do wrong in my eyes. Uh, yes. Well, I agree with you, as you could probably imagine. Uh, I'm with, and that's, it's making the series very easy because there's nothing in here where I'm looking ahead and going, Oh Jesus, I gotta <laughs> talk about this piece of shit. Um, even I'll just say it right now, even the one I think, and I haven't watched all the movies back, but the one that I like the least so far is the fan. Um, which is a movie I've only seen like twice. <laughs> and uh, I, a lot of people don't like the fan that much. I mean, from what I understand, like compared to the rest of his movies. Um, and I don't think the fans even a bad movie to use to use a baseball analogy for a baseball movie. I think the fan to me is like him hitting a single. So yeah. it's like, he's still got a hit, but it's like, it's just not a home run. Um, but beyond the fan, I can't think of anything that I, um, 
even think is like not good. You know what I mean? Like yeah, totally. the fans like, eh, okay. But like, yeah, it's amazing. Like 16 movies. I think that's right. 16 movies doesn't ever completely whiff it. I know people don't like taking a Pelham one, two, three. I know a lot of people don't like Domino. People, <laughs> I'm sorry to alienate any listeners. Listen, those two movies, taking a Pelham one, two, three and Domino uh, are movies I do really like. So that'll be interesting conversations when we get to them. But, uh, um, so if those, if I still like those a lot, and I'm like, oh, there's no, there's no real bad movies in the whole bunch. So, right. um, yeah, great filmography. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. So, um, and another reason I miss him making movies because he just really didn't ever miss. He never whiffed right. completely. So, um, yeah. So that's it. Top Gun's a good answer, and Spy Game's interesting because another one I'm not as familiar with. I have seen it, um, but. Uh, I thought it was good, but I need to watch it, I think, another time or two, because it's a lot going on in Spy Game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've always been a Brad Pitt stan, so, uh, you know, ever since I saw Legends of the Fall, uh, that's <laughs> when I was like, this dude is fucking cool, man. And, uh, I, you know, again, like Tony Scott, Brad Pitt can do no wrong in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> he's good. He does a lot of good stuff. Uh, I'm with you. I'm I'm usually game for anything he's, he's doing. Um, so yeah, well, no, I guess that's, that's really all we got, but this was a ton of fun. Anthony, thank you for coming on and talking Beverly Hills Cop 2 with me. This was great. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much for the opportunity. This was a ton of fun. This, <laughs> this was, this was I, as fun as I thought it was going to be. So this was great. Um, but yeah, so I will go ahead and let you, we'll wrap up here. Uh, and I will go ahead and let you plug all your stuff. People can find you, the podcast, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter at AK Donnelly. That's A-K-D-O-N-E-L-L-Y. Uh, same thing on in Instagram. Uh, you can follow Cult Movies Podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Cult Movies Pod. And uh, you can listen to that at uh, all the usual places. And then uh, ColumbusVHughes.com is where I'm, I'm keeping like extensive show notes for all the guests and what we're talking about. Uh, and then, uh, you know, of course, fthismovie.com is uh, where you can read some of my writing. Fantastic. That's all good stuff. I hope people are already following you or listening to cult movies because it's such a good podcast. I know by the time this episode drops, you got you should be rolling with season two of cult movies. So yeah. um, good stuff. I'm glad you're back. Even though I'm, I'm glad you got a break. That was nice. I, I was like, oh, Anthony took a break from podcasting. I should do that every once in a while. <laughs> uh, nice. A smart move. I, uh, but, but then I miss it too much. It's weird. It's like a sickness. Uh, so, uh, But yes, everyone follow Anthony, all those places. Check those things out. Um, for our stuff, it's the usual. Uh, you can follow the podcast at film on Twitter at Film Feast Pod. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at MapLady7. Uh, you can follow me and the podcast on Instagram at Film Feast, all one word. Um, and we will be back next month on Unscottable with Revenge. And Lindsay Wilkins will be back to talk with that one with me. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, and Anthony, thank you again for doing this. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time. See ya.